0: I think it takes a lot of courage to, to really show your work repeatedly and constantly. I mean, it takes a lot of determination and commitment and grit and hard work. It's, just, it's not easy and you got to stay at it and never give up.
1: Truer words have never been spoken. And no, we're not talking about taking gold at the Olympics. We're talking about sticking it out as an independent designer for 25 years. Welcome to Makers Moment, a podcast about makers and designers in Edmonton and beyond. I'm Vicki Rusinski. I'm a maker and designer as well as co-organizer of the Royal Bison Art and Craft Fair here in Edmonton, Canada. This episode is with designer Jeff Lilgy, who has made a lifelong career out of furniture design, all of it based out of Edmonton. From starting Hothouse Co-op right out of university with some fellow grads and then breaking off into internationally successful company Pure Design in the 90s, through then going back to school, getting a master's degree in industrial design, and turning his thesis project into On Our Table, and now being elbows deep with his restaurant seating project, Division 12, Jeff Liljee has invented his work half a dozen times. He's a designer that understands where entrepreneurship fits into the industrial design equation, but leaves all the room for experimentation and pivoting of ideas that make something truly great. Jeff helps us think about the evolution of designing and making objects, about selling products en masse, and what to do when you think you've been copied. We think about designing for production and focusing into a niche, as well as strategies for getting your work out there outside of just posting to Instagram and hoping, because who hasn't done that? Emerging designers, mid-career designers, furniture junkies, this one's for you. Big thanks to Edmonton Maid for sponsoring this podcast. You can hear more about how they help makers in this fair city at the end of the show. Don't forget, we're on SoundCloud and Spotify. This interview was recorded in April 2019 at Timber Studios. It's an active wood shop, so you will hear some background noise.
0: My name's Jeff Logie, My company's named Div12, and I manufacture restaurant furniture in Edmonton, Alberta.
1: How long have you been a designer for?
0: Well, my adult life, uh, going on 25 years now. It's been uh, a long journey, different companies, different projects, and this is my latest venture.
1: History-wise, it's just, you're probably the designer with the most experience that I'm interviewing, so I wonder, like, what does a 25-year-long history look like? Like, what kind of projects have you been involved in?
0: Uh, it's mainly been furniture. Um, coming out of design school at the U of A, there was a group of eight of us. We formed a co-op called Hothouse, and from there we each developed our individual style and started making things and selling things. and That branched into three of us leaving Hothouse to form Pure Design, which was a residential furniture manufacturer and accessories, and, and we did that for ten or eleven years, and then went back to U of A to do my masters, started a housewares company out of my master's thesis did that for five or six years and then recently found this abandoned restaurant furniture factory and I couldn't turn it down and had to get back into it so that was about two years ago and things are moving along
1: yeah there's a lot to unpack there so you um were you always interested in furniture?
0: Well, ever since school, really. I mean, before school, it was uh, not a big part of my life. But I think just getting into the shop and building, building chairs and tables is really sort of gets you gets you hooked.
1: What is it about building a chair?
0: Uh, it's really d- difficult, actually. But um, it's to just build the ch- a chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There's so many different factors you have to consider, and it's really you know challenging. And it, it's so that that challenge to do something new in, in seating is is what I think drives designers to, to keep moving forward because you'll always see new, different, new ideas in, in, in chairs and bar stools. And so it's challenging to, to keep that uh, moving forward and try to come up with something new and different.
1: And that's what you're doing in Division 12. Yeah,
0: I think we're doing some good work. and It's resonating, it's, it's selling, and we're uh, involved in some exciting projects, and I like where it's heading.
1: Because this is sort of not the radio; it's a podcast. But what mm-hmm. do your chairs look like? Like, what is? Can you describe? I would describe
0: them, them as uh, sort of rational, modern, very functional, um, minimal, clean, contemporary. Tube steel, obviously. That's how this whole collection is built around bent tube steel. It's it's heavier than your typical restaurant or typical residential furniture. It's it's built for commercial use. It's very durable and made in Canada.
1: Is there something specific about like restaurant furniture that drew you to it or are you more just interested in the form of the chair and then the restaurant part is more of a business decision?
0: Well, I, I mean I, I realized what I was buying was a restaurant chair factory, so it's very specific machines. You're constrained by the production processes you have access to and from that I created a a collection I can call my own and market to frankly a market segment I thought was underserved and so it all sort of came together at the same time
1: what's the first thing you ever made for sale
0: I think I made some candlesticks out of steel Mm. that was the first thing and then maybe a magazine rack and a candelabra little metal things yeah house we started doing a little metal work at hothouse and that sort of it's an affordable material to work in build a company around and that's what we ended up doing
1: yeah did you make them kind of on spec or did you kind of have an order for candlesticks from somewhere you know like no I was just risky? I was just
0: in the shop and designing with the materials we we had and I found some stamped steel cups that uh, I used to make these candlesticks and so we went from there. So it was really just, I was just playing around in the, in the studio and and came up with the design and, and uh, we went from there. So a lot of the things we started doing were three-eighths rod or half-inch cold, cold-rolled cold rod, and we just started bending and welding and mm-hmm. making products, magazine holders, towel holders, coat racks, candlesticks, CD racks, which was huge business and <laughs> back then. So, right. I don't know. It's odd. <sighs> Category, but it was something that uh, was again underserved, and we were able to sell thousands of CD racks, and really built a business, and built a built a shop, and was the foundation for our little company.
1: Did you realize at that point that making objects could be a career, and, and could and was going to be your career? I mean, nobody's a crystal ball, of course, but.
0: Well, I, I knew that I liked making things and, and I liked selling things. I liked the act of bringing it to market and, and creating you know, the, the marketing behind the products. And I re- just enjoyed the whole process and you know, we started selling things and we were all working other jobs at the time and then we just decided we're selling enough where if we really put our heads together, we can create a business and, and start selling to retailers all over North America and that's the way it turned out.
1: So you found some early success
0: we were selling gift items, essentially, mm-hmm. accessories that are affordable, you know, contemporary and handmade and clicked with the market and it took off. Yeah. So it's hard work. It's timing. It's luck. It's good design. It's, it's a whole bunch of things that can push a collection or a company to, to become successful. So it's you have to work hard to, to get there. So. Mm-hmm.
1: And obviously over and over again, right? Like nobody's buying CD racks these days, but you're still yep. making, you, you pivoted somewhere in there into new products.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's always new things to make. And, and I started doing chairs and stools with this Div12 and that's branched into table bases and, and other things. So it's, you go where the customers lead you and sometimes you end up designing products that you never would have thought would be successful but there's a need for them so
1: yeah do you have a business background like how obviously you have a design background and a, and a master's degree in design but did anyone along the way teach you how to run a business or even how to scale up a business which sounds like actually happened to you guys
0: well my dad's an accountant and my mother was a person. so she went to craft fairs and sold the craft store so i think intrinsically i was learned a little bit of that just through osmosis but mm-hmm. um it grew slowly with uh, hothouse and pure design we grew um, the business slowly enough that we could make the right decisions in terms of growing our company and the best ways to do that so you just get into it and you start doing it and you'll you'll figure it out it's it's a lot of hard work it and sounds like design it. <laughs> so yeah. just
1: figure it out just noodle in there so would you call yourself a maker? I mean, a lot of this podcast is, is obviously talking to designers who are making objects, who are making more than they consume, um, who are putting things into retail environments. The thing I'm asking everybody is, you know, what is a maker? Because there actually isn't a definition. Well, that's, I mean, I,
0: I would call myself a designer, uh, a design entrepreneur, I guess I would be more comfortable with that or a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. I, I physically... You know, I help make some of the things, but, well, I'm not a professional welder. I'm not a finished welder, so I can get in the shop and build prototypes, but I'm not the one making the final product. Manufacturing is the next step from being a maker, I guess. So it, you, you start being a maker and you build, you'll continue either as a fine craftsperson slash maker or a manufacturer slash maker. It's, it's, I just think the spirit of being a designer and making products can go to different levels and yep. know, sort of been at all levels so
1: yes definitely sounds like it. those those candlesticks you were talking about at the beginning like you i was were a maker. i was a
0: maker then yeah for yeah. sure
1: and so you evolved what compels you to design things
0: i, just, I mean it's a creative outlet i love uh this sketching and, and coming up with with new ideas getting to the point where you've come up with a new idea or a new product that works and is original that's it's very rewarding so this keeps you keeps you coming back to, to try that process from scratch every every uh, every time you feel inspired seeing your product in a in a space or a built environment with other products or without with other furniture is, is just a cool motivating sight to see so
1: so in that case sort of going into that so what would you call a success? In the design world what is success
0: in design well i think i mean if you can design a product that sells it's it sounds uh shallow but it's it's true you need to have products that sell on mass to to really call them successful um designing for production is is difficult to to design a product with good profit margins and ease of manufacture it's an acquired skill yet it's not easy so once you nail it and the product is selling and it's easy to make and you can crank them out and it's uh that's a real success to me as a designer slash manufacturer it's, it's my goal is to is to hit that sweet spot of um, profitable and marketable and, and all of that so it's, it's more than just looking good it's got to well it's got to function from all aspects of the business
1: okay so if there's success there must also somewhere be failure and a lot of this podcast I'm sure many people listening are, are newer younger makers um, how do you navigate or how have you navigated in your career the not so successful moments what, how have you learned from them how have they helped
0: well I mean you, you learn as much from the failures as from the successes and I think there's something in uh, inside of an entrepreneur that just keeps chugging away and you, you'll just build on all of your experiences into the next project and that's sort of what I've done with this uh, latest project is, is I've really learned to, to focus into a niche, set of goals and strategies that come through experience so it's I don't get too down about if a particular product or even if a project doesn't uh, take off as, as expected, you just move on and, and keep plugging away. It's something, some people have that ability to keep rolling and some maybe don't so it's just it's a personality thing too i think so uh
1: why do you make things at edmonton
0: well i mean it's just where i am it's my home you can make things anywhere but edmonton is a great steel city in terms of facilities and suppliers and all of that so it's a handy place to make metal products we've got a good uh, infrastructure for powder coating and laser cutting and suppliers and all of that stuff so it's a, it's a great t- great town to to make steel products out of
1: that sounds like a lot of pros for Edmonton um what are the cons of making here well Edmonton? we're
0: we're in the middle of nowhere and it's a day worth of travel to go anywhere so you're not the
1: first person to see it's that on this uh, podcast
0: I can't just make a day trip and do a business trip to a major client it's a it's a multi-day ordeal. Or to do a trade show, it's an extra two days of travel that other people in our industry don't have to worry about. So yeah, it's a hassle. You could move, but I mean, a lot of people end up relocating, but I haven't done so so far.
1: Yeah, a vote for Edmonton. How important is Edmonton and its customers to your business these days?
0: It's big. I mean, I, I started just with word of mouth, obviously, and and. Uh, I found some really supportive interior designers and contractors who wanted to spec my collection and, and it's been really strong here locally and then it just sort of grows, you know. Um, Calgary and Vancouver have been great. Vancouver's been amazing. And now we're starting to get into Toronto and uh, New York and, and other areas. So it's just I I really wanted just to to focus on the local market to start and I think ebden has got a pretty sophisticated taste in terms of restaurant decor and interiors, so it's been, it's been good.
1: Um, so you said something interesting there about uh, connecting with interior designers um, and getting your works back. This seems to be many makers sort of post their work to Instagram and then just hope that somebody directly you know buys it from them. So what other kind of strategies should designers be looking at? When they're making objects for consumption, uh, show
0: your work. Uh, get it out there. Uh, group shows, uh, trade fairs, craft fairs, all that stuff. Just get your work out there, and, and people will see it. And if it's good, it'll it'll um, connect, and it'll it'll test the marketability if you put it out there. And easiest way to do it is just to get it out there.
1: Yep. What happens to you, like, as a person, or you as a company, or, you know, your family, when somebody buys one of your made objects versus something from, you know, Ikea or Article?
0: Well, I, I know a lot of restauranteurs, and I have restauranteurs in my family, and, and, I mean, my sort of niche right now is working with restaurants too, who want to have a, a very unique space. If they believe in, in local sourcing for food, or if they're a local brewery who they really believe in the local food scene, and they probably believe in the local furniture scene as well. So it, it makes sense if you're going to ask people to buy local, locally made beer that they themselves should source locally when it comes to outfitting their their uh, tasting room or yep. cafe or, or pub. It's, uh, it just makes sense. So
1: why wouldn't you want to support your own community? Because that's who's coming in to support you. You know, like yeah. local butts yeah. on local chairs <laughs> should yep. make a t-shirt. What's your number one item and did you stumble into it or did it come from kind of copious amounts of market research and experience? Well, I
0: did. A, a, we do a stool, it's called the deck stool, and it's almost like a hybrid of a pure design, a simple contemporary bar stool with four legs and a foot ring and then the seat, which is solid wood, which is very reminiscent of the cutting boards I used to make uh, on our table, which have a very soft, radius edge and that piece is connected with a lot of people. And
1: And it came from the past and melded into the future. Do you ever run into copyright issues with your items? Like as your company grows, as stuff gets out there more, like have you been ripped off in your life?
0: Um, I'm not sure. It's it's, it's difficult with, with furniture. You can see different trends and a lot of people jump on those colour trends or I mean tube furniture is very popular right now so it's it's hard to 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 tell in some respects we just the way i look at it is i just keep moving and keep coming up with new things and i've never trademarked or copyrighted any design or registered anything it's just in furniture it's just so so fast moving and as long as you can get your work out there to uh, enough people who recognize your work as the original which can happen um if you can build your brand and get it seen by enough people and you, you launch something and you're the f- obviously the first to, to launch a specific design, you just sort of have to build on your reputation and, as someone who does original work and uh, hope that it remains that way.
1: Um, knowing, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently if you were to start all over again?
0: I think, you know, I probably would have went and worked for a designer or a design firm you know, for a year or so or a couple of years just to, to see how they operate. I think I would have learned a lot from, uh, from that experience. But I, we just sort of jumped into, um, you know, a co-op studio right away and started making things. Didn't have time to, have to do that. But
1: Yeah, cut your teeth a little bit somewhere. What happened in Edmonton in the last 10 years? Like you were making things back then before sort of this third wave of craft fairs showed up and every designer comes out with a small brand and sells it at a craft fair. How are we at this point where we we have a deep pool of designer and makers of every generation and every age who are really empowered to just do it themselves? Well, I think
0: in a small way, um, the Hothouse Co-op and, uh, and Pure Design, we, we influenced some young designers to go out there and make it. I mean, this was over 20 years ago, so I think it did connect with a lot of people who were going through design school and showed that they could go and do it but I think the Royal bison was, has been a great source of inspiration so there's a lot a few different things uh, just you know watching people successfully build their businesses and, and sell things and it can be really inspiring for other uh, young designers or aspiring designers to go and do it there's some great examples in locally here that have uh, done great work like who there's ISM there's Oliver apartment there's uh, one two six design. Just getting out there and making things. So it's it's been pretty cool to see their work all over the place and, and uh, all the Royal Bison vendors. You know they do good work.
1: They're experimenting for yeah. sure, which yeah. is super awesome. Do you have any advice to a young designer starting out right now?
0: Yeah, go work at a, a company making things or a studio and just get be around the industry and, and surround yourself with people who are doing it and learn from them and, and just get in there. and mm-hmm. Volunteer your time, <laughs> 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 do whatever you can to, to get in there and just see what's uh, what it's really like to, yeah. to, to actually do it so
1: yeah. um, it's a lot of work. What does it take to last as a designer?
0: I think it takes a lot of courage to, to really show your work repeatedly and constantly. Always develop new work and get it out there and show it. Um, and it takes a lot of determination and commitment and grit and hard work. It's just, it's not easy, and you got to stay at it and never give up.
1: Whoa, wasn't that sort of exactly what you needed to hear? nothing like being reminded of the tenacity that you need to keep on going as an independent designer. I've been told many a time that it's a marathon, not a sprint, and it's rad to see what happens when you just keep going. It's also super to hear that the history of independent design in Edmonton extends back further than I thought. Can we say Jeff started it? Probably. Thanks, Jeff. As always, you can get show notes over at royalbison.ca slash makersmoment. There's a few pics of some original, pure Design items in the show notes, too, in case you want to see where things started. Enjoyed this episode? Want to know when new episodes come out? We're on SoundCloud. Subscribe to the SoundCloud feed and keep an eye on those at the Royal Bison social media feeds to find out when there's something new to listen to. We're also on Spotify, just search Makers Moment, so subscribe! Follow, do that rating thing, and big thanks to our season sponsor Edmonton Made, who want you to know that we are the city of hidden gems, and Edmonton Made wants to find them all. Edmonton Made is a program run by Edmonton Economic Development Corporation that features local businesses by sharing their story, connecting them with resources to help them grow, and creating a community of support around them. They also make the gorgeous Gifted catalog, an annual catalog filled to the brim with work from local makers. Visit EdmontonMade.com to see how they can help your business shine. Our original music was created by Carbolizer. You can look up the newest album at Carbolizer.Bandcamp.com. Until next time!